0: Have you ever misgendered someone, had a whole conversation where you thought, oh, he was nice, and then maybe you say that out loud, and then you get that sinking feeling? This happened to me a few weeks back with a guest on this show, Farhad Manju. The last time you were on, I remember I went to your Twitter bio to like maybe retweet something you you had done, you had said, and I looked at your Twitter bio and I thought, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right at the top of Farhad's Twitter bio was a simple note. They slash them. And I, <laughs> I sent it to my producer and I was just like, did did we mess up here? And basically, I guess you could say you kind of messed up because you just didn't ask. <laughs> so I messaged Farhad. I said, hey, I think we misgendered you here. I'm so sorry. And even as I wrote this, I was like. Did I miss a memo here? Farhad's a columnist for the New York Times, probably the first one to go by they, them pronouns. I should have known about this. It turns out Farhad had a plan. Last week in a column titled, Call Me They, Farhad officially unveiled their new pronouns and asked everyone else to consider going gender neutral too. And that started some conversations.
1: There were sort of two reactions. One, I think, I guess, Some people wondering if I was coming out or just what I was doing. And then, two, whether I was being in some way faddish about it or just trying to be cool. (laughs) Um, That was the kind of the conversation that I had with the few people who responded.
0: Unlike a lot of people going by they or them, Farhad's decision isn't about feeling more comfortable in their own skin. It's about this bigger point. Farhad's sick of the sorting and the pink versus blue binary, sick of it for themselves, sick of it for their kids.
1: For me, like, I feel like the world is just too gendered in some key and, like, harmful ways. And I, as a person who has, like, a platform to say something about that, um, and just as a person in the world who wants to live differently, I felt like I had the opportunity to do something something small about that.
0: And by the way, Farhad knows you might be rolling your eyes right now. You know,
1: I am a cisgender person and I didn't think about this a lot until very recently. And I feel like people who sort of don't have a need for what we think of as special pronouns should be sort of especially or just more cognizant of this issue. I feel very... Vulnerable at this moment because it's not clear that I like made the point in a way that obeyed all the sensitivities but like that's the uh, that's the joy of being a columnist so
0: <laughs> so today on the show we're going to ask this question why not they? would a gender neutral world be better? And what would it even look like? I'm Mary Harris you are listening to What Next stay with us See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This decision Farhad made to go from being called he and him to being called they and them. It grew out of conversations with friends and colleagues. Some of these friends were trans or non-binary. Some of these people were just noticing something new going on. Like Farhad has a friend who's a college English professor, and she noticed that her students were super comfortable announcing their preferred pronouns. Like it was no big deal at all. You know, many of her students
1: specify their pronouns as it's a routine thing among her students, but that she as an English professor still finds it difficult grammatically to refer to a single person, a specific person, using the singular they. Um, just because it grates.
0: Yeah, it grates. I mean, this was the main criticism
1: of my proposal, of the just my column, that it sounds odd to people.
0: So Farhad did it. He made the switch, said, call me them, not him. They, not he. How far did you take it? Like, you're married, you have kids. Does your wife call you they? Do you introduce yourself as they? One of the reasons this is
1: kind of difficult and doesn't come up is I noticed you don't really have a need to specify your pronouns to other people if you're a cisgender person, a man or a woman. People just assume, and because the assumption, like, works— uh, I don't really have to say it. And so it's difficult to say in a conversation when you're meeting someone, usually, actually, when you're talking to a person, the third person pronoun doesn't come up. So like my wife d- wouldn't have no reason to call me they to me. And I don't think she does to other people. So th- and the answer to your question is like so far, not very far because it doesn't like the fundamental part of this is that it doesn't come up often. Like it's not a conversation people are having. You know, and a couple people responded in in comments to my article, some of the handful of positive comments. Someone said that she, uh, a woman who is, um, who goes by she, wanted to introduce herself as using the they pronoun sort of in a a meeting or something, and she kind of chickened out. And, you know, as a person who, like, has some mild social anxiety about those kinds of situations, I feel like I also have chickened out about saying that, because it introduces all these questions about, like... Well, are you trans? Are you coming out in some way? It's hard to be accepting of new pronouns while also kind of being private, which I think is the tension here.
0: Hmm. It's interesting. In your column, you mentioned your kids. How old are they?
1: They are eight and six.
0: Yeah. I was super empathetic to that part. You, You said that it wasn't really until you had kids and realized just how impacted they were by gender that you started thinking about, you know, how gender informs every aspect of our lives. And I was I was empathetic to it because I have a couple kids and I I have a daughter who's in preschool. And for about six months, she wore a tie to school every day. And it was this real statement. She was sometimes using the pronoun he. And at some point she asked me to call her president, (laughs) Uh you know, as a a four or five-year-old might. And so I kind of took the moment and said, like, well, you know, presidents can be anyone. You know, girls can be president and presidents can wear whatever they want. And she just gave me this glare. And I realized that at four, she'd already learned this was the outfit of power, like this, if I want to be the person in charge, this is what I have to wear. And by the way, that means I'm a boy.
1: Yeah. I have gone through, you know, those kinds of experiences with my kids so many times. I think it's just a natural occurrence of being a parent is you notice them either fighting against or adopting gender constructs, And they specify, sort of because they're gendered, like my kids went through a phase where we would choose kind of music to listen to. And like my son was sort of insistent that he would not listen to any music. This was like a few years ago, he was six or seven, any music that was by a woman like that was. By definition, if you heard a woman singer, that was like a girl song. And then because he was saying that, my daughter, who's younger, kind of said the opposite, you know, was was adamant to not listen to any music by uh, by a boy singer. And there have been so many instances like that in clothes, in like all kinds of preferences. And then the other thing is like they have friends, like your daughter, perhaps who come to school in um, you know non-traditional clothing and like girl girls who were uh, some kind of boys fashion or other or the opposite and like I often thought about those kids that you know my my kids seem to have such strong defined um, notions of gender and what those notions did to the kids around them who may uh, you know be brushing a gu- up against those notions it just felt sad on all sides like In my own life, I feel like I have often noticed preferences that I have, um, like fashion or entertainment or just like the ways of living that people may question like on gender grounds. And it's just like (laughs) rankles. It's just... It's weird that, like, I have have bought sunglasses before that then people say, oh, those are women's sunglasses. And I'm like, I actually like them. And, like, it's just (laughs) weird that that happens, that we have this notion that there are things like women's sunglasses and men's sunglasses. And, like, we're all okay with that. And we all sort of acquiesce to these, uh, or many of us, acquiesce to these just rules.
0: You know, you mentioned how while you were trying out this idea of going by they-them, that... You reached out to folks in the trans community and folks who were gender fluid. And I was glad you did that because I do think there is this idea that perhaps what you did could be seen as insulting, appropriating someone else's identity. The thing that I really saw when I when I was looking at your article was the fact that the reasons you did this I wonder if you see this. They seem different than the reasons why many people choose to go by they, them. It seems to me like a lot of people who go by they, them, they are responding to something internal, like inside of them. They don't feel like they fit in this binary, whereas what you are doing seemed more an action taken to make change in the wider world. I, I wonder if you see it that way, and I wonder how people inside the community of gender fluid people responded when you went to them and said, I'm doing this? Um, I do think that's a
1: fairly accurate summary of the the sort of the differences. You're right. Like for me, it is not on a day to day basis creating hardship to be called by um, a gendered pronoun in the way that it would for a non-binary person. But I think that if it's the case that most people are okay being called by a gender pronoun or even prefer being called by a gendered pronoun, because language is sort of consensus-based, I think we need those people, like the people who, you know, fit the binary, to have this conversation and to accept, both accept other people being called they, but also just accept being called they, them, themselves.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. You talked in your article about how it's not just that you want other people to call you they, but that you wanted to call other people they as well. I wonder if you found yourself policing your own language in the last couple of months as you try to sort of neutralize everyone's gender. Yeah. I mean, I was careful
1: to specify that I I don't think we should use they as a replacement for people's gendered pronouns. Especially if they you know, strongly prefer their gendered pronouns, which would be the case if they have um, transitioned from one pronoun to the other, it might clearly be seen as like erasure if somebody transitioned from he to, to her. And then I'm saying, actually, let's call you they. That is obviously wrong and you shouldn't do that. Um, but I do think, just sort of empirically, like from what I can tell, most people who are trans, who have transitioned from one gender pronoun to another, seem to offer and be okay with they, them. And also, they, them is, from what I can tell, widely accepted by non binary people. You know, it is the closest thing we have to kind of a universal pronoun.
0: Most, a lot of the pushback, um, to your argument has come from grammarians or people who think you're being faddish and a lot of them are not on the younger side (laughs) I'll say so I'm curious as you did this the older people in your life your parents your editors whoever how did you communicate this with them
1: I don't know if it's a generational thing. It probably is a generational thing. The thing I noticed more was just the people who are sort of literary, more more likely to have fixed ideas about grammar and how people should speak, were felt strongly about this.
0: Yeah, constitutional scholar Larry Tribe tweeted out your article and said, I just don't like this, basically. Right, right. I mean,
1: I get that. Like, I, I mean, for me, as someone who just doesn't like a lot of those arbitrary grammar rules. Also, this that's another benefit of this, to just get those people mad. Like I
0: I, I just don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't You just like making people mad.
1: I don't see any uh, I don't see any basis to that to that argument. I don't think it's confusing in speech. I think it just sounds odd and unusual to people, but that once they get used to it, it will be okay.
0: Well here's my question after reading your column where does A gender-neutral pronoun begin and where does it end because we live in a world of gender reveal parties and when you're pregnant it's like the first or second question you're asked it's like when are you due, and is it a boy or a girl gender is everywhere like if if changing a pronoun is part of changing society like how does this work when a kid is born do they all just get X on their birth certificate what happens Well, with pronouns specifically,
1: I mean, I feel like you could call them them, call them they. Like, babies have no (laughs) cause to be upset about that. Um, Why do we need gender on your birth certificate? Like, why why is that a thing? One of the things that I think that I'm trying to get across or trying to change in the world is, like, this is just too big a part of the conversation. And, like, we could sidestep it. There's no law that says, like, we have to think about gender, like, notice it and give it such prominence on our documents and in our you know, daily life as much as we do now. Like, maybe someone can tell me the reason why you need gender on your birth certificate. But like I feel like it would be fine to just not have that line.
0: Yeah, I just feel like humans are natural sorters. And like when you're a baby, it's one of the few things we know about you like we... <laughs> we
1: yeah, he- but we don't know that about you. I mean, the story of the moment is that we don't know the kind of gender that you really feel will become, the way that you will like actualize. And we shouldn't assume. And like it causes harm to people if we assume. And we would be better off if we didn't fixate on those questions.
0: Yeah. I mean, there, there is something else, which is, you know, gender is this thing which we've decided we can be fluid about now. But there are like all sorts of other things that hold us back culturally that we can't change. Like you can't change your race. You can't change your financial situation easily. And those are all other things that sort of intervene and change how we're seen in the world. And I guess I just wonder if it's a better play to try to really be aware of the biases we have against people in these different categories and fight them or do this more linguistic change? Is going by they or them for the particular reason that you're doing it, is it is it sort of like I don't see color, which is might be a well-intentioned idea of a way of looking at race, but many people think it's sort of wrong-headed?
1: Well no because i think that the key difference is that you can and we need space for in this world to be able to explore boundaries beyond the kind of binary gender anything in that way it's it's substantively different from the race conversation and where we're we're, we're dis, disassociating you know gender from sex and people can be recognized now in ways that they feel you know better represent them and like that's the that's the difference like we can have that conversation because of that difference I don't think it's possible with race
0: yeah it's interesting you said how the hard thing about doing this was that you can't really control like when your wife is out in the world how she refers to you because you're not there and you know do you step in And, and to your knowledge she wasn't correcting people and it made me wonder does this work if we're not doing that, if we're not correcting people and saying, you know what, actually uh, my husband prefers they, them.
1: No, it doesn't work if we're not correcting people. I mean, I hope to make it a real a real thing in life. Uh, and I feel like other people should. Like, it, I think it's perfectly valid to question like the overall point or efficacy of this, yeah, just for me, like it's not gonna change a lot in the world um, if just I do this. And I think that the only way to make even a small change with this kind of action is for other people to do it and to, like, mention it and to be real about it in the world.
0: Farhad, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks. Good to be here. Farhad Manju is an op-ed columnist for The New York Times. All right, that's the show. What Next is hosted by me, Mary Harris, and produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, and Ethan Brooks. This week and every week, we get huge help from Allison Benedict. Thanks to her, too. You can tell me what you think of the show on Twitter. I'm at Mary's desk. But before you do that, you should really head over to The Gist. That's Mike Pesca's show. It comes out five days a week, just like we do. And if you check out his feed right now, you'll find an interview with the fantastic New York Times magazine writer Emily Bazelon. She's talking about her new book and her new podcast. Both of them are called Charged. Anyway, go check it out. It's at The Gist. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow.
1: This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines.